with me talking to them while you talk with us. Hi, everyone. On this episode of Melanin Media, we're going to be talking about Black hair and our pride along with the politics that surround it. And today, our special guest is Elasia Parks, who is a co-owner of her current project, Curly Connection Products, LLC. So I'm going to go ahead and let her give some more background about herself. Hi, everybody. First, I just want to say thank you guys so much for having me and reaching out and just giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about what I know and the things that um, I'm currently doing. So like Mia stated, my name is Elasia Parks and I am the current um, project manager for Curly Connection Products LLC as well as the co-owner of it. So Curly Connection Products LLC is a new um, natural hair care product line. We just launched uh, this month actually. So this is actually a really uh, exciting month for us. We literally just launched and what it is, is an extension of an organization that I founded at Bowling Green State University, which is Curly Connection. And the reason for that organization on that campus was to act more of um, as a resource for any person of color who's like navigating through their natural hair experience. So that's kind of where we started and this is where we're at now. And I'm just very excited to see um, where we're gonna go from here. Um, yeah, definitely check her page out. Um, it's definitely dope. I literally just made a post. <laughs> someone posts, uh, people you know about hair and like literally like three people tagged you. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Really? <laughs> and, um, I'm going to tag, we're going to tag all her stuff in the comments. Check her page out, her personal page and the actual, um, the Curly Connection LC page is actually really dope. Thank you. Thank, um, you. thank you for coming. And I think she's going to be able to give a lot of insight on this topic. So first, we're just going to talk about um, Black hair, like I said, and coming into our own comfortability and navigating that as we go into the world, especially given that we all go to PWIs, how that really affected us. Um, I think we're going to start off with a little bit of context on Black hair. So um, like we said, a lot of Black hair is kind of seen as trendy and popular just like everything else that black women do i mean we're the blueprint (laughs) um now it's kind of like we never did it and i think we see this a lot with like white social media influencers like the kardashians all like that how it's seen as like oh my god they have boxer braids so you guys can kind of speak on that too your thoughts on that um, I think that's very true. I do feel like Black women are definitely the blueprint for majority of popular culture, honestly. And honestly, when you're having a discussion about Black women, Black people in general, you have to have that discussion about Black hair because it, it's an extension of us, you know? So it's definitely something that through our shared experiences, through navigating just childhood, um, adolescence, and adulthood, that we kind of find ourselves So to me, I feel like as Black people and as a Black woman specifically, we have more of an emotional kind of attachment to it. So that's why we take it as serious as we do rather than, you know, somebody who is just getting it for like an Instagram post or something like that. 
Yeah, I have to agree. I feel like a lot of, especially Black women, hair is built upon as like a staple for identity. And that's like something that's rooted as a young girl and then continued to brought up where you have to suddenly shift to navigate your hair on your own. And it's kind of like a how white people have their midlife crises like, <laughs> it's a constant in our crisis and you have it in your teens or 20s and it progresses because your hair changes and you change with your hair so it's always difficult to try and you know try and be connected with yourself and your culture when other people are praised for it or thought of it as really cute and then on you you can't picture it on yourself because what you see is trending is on somebody who doesn't look like you and also what you said like what you see I think even a lot of like media images they only show like the like the diverseness in like black hair in itself so you typically only see like those mixed girls or like very loose curls you don't really see like the 4c hairs and stuff like that so I think even like well, myself, when I was growing up trying to figure out my hair, I'm seeing girls on TV and I'm like, well, she using this and she using that and her curl powder coming up like this. So how do I get mine like that? It wasn't mm-hmm. more about like, okay, so then like to go off what you said, when you do see these white women um, wearing these styles, it's kind of like, so am I meant to wear this? When it's like, no, this is my style. Like, it's just like, they're praised for it. So you think that they're doing it better than you instead of like they're not supposed to be doing it at all Mm. so I think that's so interesting that you both like talk about it like in that way because when I was so I big chopped my hair um twice actually so the first big chop I did which kind of even started me in this whole direction of becoming like a natural hair advocate and starting an org and a business um, my mom and my grandmother are both licensed cosmetology so in a sense I kind of like grew up in a shop basically um but the shop that I grew up in compared to the way that people are getting their hair done now it's it's like night and day it's two totally different um lanes but basically when I first went to college um in 2016 I was at that point in time I was wearing my hair straight and my hair was it was fairly long it was like it was like past my shoulder it was fairly long and that look kind of got associated with my identity as a person so when you get to college you're in a sense trying to find yourself. And I feel like that look kind of spoke for me before I could even speak for myself, you know? And that kind of really had me at an uncomfortable place because I'm coming into womanhood, I'm coming into my adolescence and I wanted to do something that will kind of help push me in the direction of discovery. And that's something that I will say about natural hair. I don't ever want to say that I think that, you know, every black person or every black woman should just, you know, no more weaves, no more this, no more that. Everybody go natural. Like, that's not the message that I, I want to preach. But what I will say is I just think it's worth exploring. You know, and I, I think with us specifically in our identity, it, it's not even a question of do I love myself, right? It's more of a question of do I know myself? Do I know how I look with my natural hair? Do I know how I look without, you know, the sewing? Do I know how I look? And if I do, and I'm comfortable with it, okay, I can wear my hair like that. But if I if I do know it, and that's not my preference, then I can wear my hair like this. You know what I'm saying? So I will definitely say, um, 
just for yourself. And it's, it's really an individual journey. At least we try to make it an individual journey. But then like you're saying, what other people kind of hijacking the experience for us, we don't even get the opportunity to explore ourselves, you know? Okay, Jeff. Yeah, I would also have to say that um, natural hair journeys are a bit more exclusive because mm -hmm. of pricings and like the, the products that are actually good for your hair that mm -hmm. are organic or vegan and they're like 15 to 20 dollars for a shampoo mm -hmm. and so yeah. people are like i'm not trying to go through all that it is way much easier if i get this weave for 150 and it's in for like a couple months mm -hmm. but then it's like are, but are you taking care of your hair while it's out you got to let your head breathe and the only couple ways to do that are the cheaper ones that aren't necessarily nourishing your hair they're just in your hair yeah and um yeah that's all I have to say <laughs> so it's like the hair industry is a very pricey industry oh very um, yeah but, but what I found out though is like we thought ours was pricey white people pay I'll be thinking like when I be on some some girl book inside I'd be like Okay, 350, 50 dollars. Am I ready to commit to this? But then someone was telling me, like, he was like, Oh, I'm about to start bringing, like, I'm about to learn how to do like white girl, like clip ons and stuff. I'm like, yeah. He's like, Yeah, I'm about to make hella money. I'm like, How much money? Like, I'm thinking about to say, He said it's almost 1500 a head. Yeah. Like, up to, like, that is ridiculous to me. Their hair be so thin. Yeah. And the thing about it is you you don't even think that white women wear weave, but they but do. We, you know what I'm saying? They probably wear it more than us. For real, but honestly. I seen someone put in some weave with Snooki on J Jersey Shore when they was yeah. coming out back in 2011. <laughs> I've never seen, I've never seen a black girl on TV. Like, I probably knew she had on a weave or like had in the summer or a wig, but I've never seen her put it on. They was like, okay, I'm going to do my tapelines. But for us, why is it so like, or has like a negative connotation. Like when you two were speaking, I was just kind of thinking of like, like what what did I learn about black hair growing up? Like what did I learn about it to even understand? Like y'all said, um, like the journey is exclusive, and it's also like how well do you know yourself? I feel like I wasn't even taught like the history of black hair. Like I really didn't know like the importance of it so like at a young age yes I'm seeing all these white people doing it but I'm just thinking like okay like that's normal society like yeah. like it was never told like to me that like dreadlocks originated 250 years ago or like things like corn the significantly of cornrows I used to have like maps to um to get to freedom or like how they're called cornrows because they look like cornfields like no one took the time to really understand that and like the deep like enrichment in our culture and why we should be so prideful on it and then mm -hmm. also like I grew up in a household where like like we said it's exclusive like I grew up with like a, a dad so like he didn't really know how to do my hair like if he would brush my hair I'm telling you he would put a brush in some water and brush mm. it back and then when I get back home he like why is your ponytail mad and I'm like I don't know <laughs> so like when I got older I was just like okay like I'm not about to deal with my hair like give me someone give me box straight but then in between that like Michaela said I wasn't taking care of my hair and it was always like oh like you love yourself because you don't need to love herself like that's more like 
some people in my family would say because like look her hair or like you wearing weave you wearing someone's hair but like I did a big chop last year partly because like I went to PWI and I felt like it was like a huge identity crisis because mm-hmm. I feel like now I knew I was black but like now the world was telling me that I was black and I had to look like mm. a certain way or I shouldn't and I was like like you said our hair is emotional I was like forget it I'm myself I'm cutting it it don't mean nothing yeah. it'll grow back if it's meant to come back I'll let it come back and I don't know it really I think it really does have like something to do with like I don't know, like, to know yourself, like, people always tell me, like, ever since you cut your hair, like, you seem so much free, like, you seem so much happier, because it's like, I just let go of, like, what people thought of me. Mm, yeah, I, I really can relate to that, honestly, because I feel like it, it, it becomes an attachment, you know, and the first time that I did my big chop, it was definitely, I was definitely attached to that, to that routine of getting my hair done every two weeks, of, you know, having a wrap and stuff, but when I went away to college, I wasn't able to do that. So now I'm out here trying to do my hair myself and I'm damaging it because I don't know the proper ways to do it. And I think there is something to be said about like the level of seriousness associated with taking care of your hair. Um, I don't think, I think, well, one thing that you said earlier is like, well, what did you learn about black hair growing up? I feel like that something that was put into our minds is that black hair is unruly, black hair is nappy, black hair is sweats out you know, it's unmanageable and things like that. So through that teaching is where we get the relaxers, where we get the hot combs trying to press our hair out and make it look more presentable, which is kind of what creates this narrative of natural hair, which is how the hair naturally grows out for us equals unprofessional. So that kind of just totally like distorts like the public image of it. Yeah, um, I had a very interesting, like, hair journey growing up because um, I think I had the, I guess the best word would be coarse, the coarsest hair out of my siblings. And my Mm -hmm. sister had, like, really loose, long locks of curls. And I was like, why can't my hair be like this? Every day I got to go through it at night. I'm like yanking out my hair and my mom would do it and I would just like cry the whole time <laughs> so I hated my hair for like a long time because I didn't understand how to manage it she didn't understand curls and I was like what in the world is even shrinkage so I would literally just like pull my hair down and then I cut my own bangs and <laughs> went right back up it was crazy. It was not a good time. Well, Michaela, um, like you said, your but, mom didn't, given that, like, you're biracial, right, and your mom, yeah. white, kind of explain, because you just said, like, your mom didn't understand curls. So, like, how right. was that able, like, how, like, go deeper into that, because I feel like one thing I am noticing right now, like, kind of what I was talking about, black hair is so diverse. So, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, like, you here with one, um, with a ponytail, with curls, I'm here with shortcut you biracial, but it still doesn't, like, take away from, like, art. Like, we still all have to take that journey, and especially with you growing up with someone who didn't understand that. Like, how was that for you? Yeah. Um, it was a struggle, but my mom was always, like, your hair is beautiful. You're beautiful. You're not your hair. It is a part of you, but, like, you gotta have to learn to love it, and I was, like, it doesn't understand me. It doesn't ever do what I want it to do. So how can I love this? <laughs> and I was like, 
seven saying, I just want to cut it all off. I just want to go bald. I'll just wear wigs. She was like, you're not about to get a wig. And I was like, why can't I just get a hot pink wig and walk around? I think that'd be so cute. No, Michaela. Um, and um, I grew up around a lot of Black people that had wigs and like box braids, etc. I didn't know what that was. I thought it was just their hair. And so I was like, wait, can I go into the salon and get my hair like this? And uh, no, why not? Well, fake hair is bad. How is fake hair bad? It looks pretty. It's just not good. And so I didn't even get box braids until I got to college because wow. I was nervous to try really? it. And everybody that I had asked that I was like, can I get box braids? They would say, no, your hair is too soft. It'll fall right out. And then I did it myself. And it didn't fall out and it looked good and people are like oh I didn't even think that would work on you you're like I'm black <laughs> and I think it's interesting I that you said like you did it yourself because it's like kind of you kind of had to take that that journey yourself you had to you know go through that experience yeah. yourself to do it and you know you, you like the result of it and that's why your natural hair journey or anyone's natural hair journey is it, it is in it's a journey, you know, you start somewhere, you're not going to finish there. I remember um, when I first cut my hair off, I hated it. Oh my gosh. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. And it was, Ooh, it was so short. And I was like, yeah, lay like you tweaked out. Like you shouldn't have did that. Why would you do that? You know? And it took me a long time. It really took me a long time to um, really like get used to it. Cause like up until that point, I had always had long hair. So up until that point, I was like, wow. But, and then this, I recently just cut it off cause I had grew it out again, like really long. And then I had recently just cut it off. Um, I believe in January. And when I tell you, it was like a total, total 180 from the way I felt the second time that I cut it off. And the way I felt the first time that I cut it off, it was like night and day. Like the second time I was like, I popped out like, oh, this is like, I'm obsessed with it. Like, it's so cute. Like I look really good, you know? And then I think it just speaks to more than just my hair journey, but just my life journey, just giving yourself the opportunity and the space and the time to grow. And you can like see the difference and where you are now and then where you'll be down the line once you just go through those things. And through the organization at my school, through being around other naturals and through just navigating through the natural hair community, I learned so much. Like I learned so much. I, I picked up on a lot of different things and it was kind of like, okay, I'm more comfortable because I'm more aware. And I think that's kind of what we keep getting back to just being aware of things as a black woman and a black woman with natural hair, just being more aware of yourself, your identity, um, your traits, because it, it's a part of you and it all makes um, you who you are. Yeah, I think that, I think for me, the one thing I'm experiencing since, my, since I come in my hair, um like I like I experiment with color a lot like mm -hmm. it's now it used to be I think it was pink it was orange for a little bit I had it blue for a few weeks so I just like do whatever I want but I think now since I um since I cut it and I'm like in the like looking for internships right now I feel like I always have like this internal battle when I have interviews like oh should I put on a wig or like like is this going to be the reason I don't get a job like I know mm -hmm. I'm gonna, but like how are they going to perceive that or like when I don't, like when I do interview or say I'm like, I don't hear back or if I think the interview really good, went really well and I didn't get it. It's kind of like, 
Well, they said I did everything right. And then when I asked them, like, is there any reason you wouldn't move forward? They said no. So, like, maybe, like, it was because of my hair. They were just picking off things. And was like, well, her hair isn't, like, the most professional or, like, fits our ideals of professionalism. And I know, like, I've been talking to a lot of uh, other Black women who's not even in, like, a nine-to-five professional workspace. It's kind of like their hair is always seemed as different or, like, if they do wear their natural hair, they have to like constantly smile in the office. I don't know. I feel like mm-hmm. that's something I'm navigating right now and it's really an internal body because it's like, I know I look good, but like, how is this going to affect me? So are you familiar with the Crown Act? Yes. Actually, that's, that's what, what I was going to Yeah, I was going to say, um, so I did a little bit of research on the Crown Act because um, I had spoke on a panel like probably a month ago about kind of the legislation around natural hair. So that act was put into place, I believe in 2019, and it's specifically for to fight against discrimination in the workplace surrounding like natural hair. Um, specifically, I do believe with like more protective styles, so braids, um, locks, bantu knots, things like that. So, but even just all natural hair in general. So I thought that was a very interesting act. And it is, it's crazy because it does go to show that this is a real issue. Like if there has to be legislation put around it, like, you know, this is a real issue. And I think it was saying something around like 80% of women, uh, of black women feel like they have to change or alter their natural hair in order to, to fit in, in the workplace. So then it's like, what is this fitting in? What am I fitting into? You know, but obviously you're, you're fitting into the ideals of, um, you know, a society that was not built around us. So um, hopefully, like, in the next couple of years, that act does add more protection against discrimination. But I'm just interested to see how it goes. Yeah. I think it's only in, like, seven states right now. Yeah. So it's going to take some time. But I think, like, doing things like what you're doing and even doing things that I'm doing, like, that all helps to kind of bring awareness and bring attention to it to just make it, um, you know, like, a little bit better. So um, maybe explain like your way, because like you said, you're not a licensed cosmetologist. So how do you um, promote black hair and black hair positivity through your brand? brand? Oh, yeah. So um, what I do is when I was attending Bowling Green State University uh, before I graduated, the organization Curly Connection is on campus org. So a main part of the org and also of the business that I have now is to act as a resource. So when you're attending a PWI, you don't have a lot of resources catered toward Black people or catered toward natural hair. So a lot of the events that we would have were surrounded um, around like being a resource. So for example, we would have a gently used, a new and gently used uh, product drive. And that was so we could collect products and donate them to local women's shelter. Um, Because if you think about it, like, Women are coming in the shelter, they might not have, you know, shampoos that are catered towards their hair that won't dry their hair out. They might not have, because, you know, we don't use dry shampoo. So it's like, what is dry shampoo? So they may not have the things that they need while they're there. Or we would do um, like DIY products. So like make your own products with natural and organic ingredients. And those events were really popular because it gave a lot of people the opportunity to really see, you know, this is something that's good for my hair. How does this compare to what I'm already putting in my hair? What are the results I make it from this and things like that? And I think our most popular event that we used to have um, 
is how do black men feel about natural hair? So that was just always an interesting dialogue, right? Because we got to talk about, you know, it's always the preference. They have their preference or whatever, but you know, why is your preference your preference? So we would just talk about um, situations like that. And that was mainly through the organization, but now through the business, one of the main things that we try to do is just educate our consumers on um, like the ingredients in our products, what those ingredients do, what are the best ways to care for your natural hair and just give them like tips and things like that. So that's how we try to uh, basically be a resources for the natural hair community. Now that you say like the way black men view like women, that is sugar like a whole thing. Like I, said, <laughs> I know it's a whole nother like thing. I, like I said, like growing up, like I live with my my dad and my brother, and I feel like they just did not have like a very affirming way of like when I tried new hairstyles. Girl, I remember one time I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try blonde. My dad literally told me, he was like, why would you go get some hooker hair? And I'm like, Ooh. damn, nigga. Like, <laughs> like, like, damn, like, I'm trying something new. Oh or, like, if I would wear, like, my natural hair, and they'll say, like, oh, you wouldn't be able to comb your hair today. Like, I just feel like those things really, like, stick with, like, mm-hmm. children, especially when you're developing. And, like, and then I also feel like that goes into, like, um, like, men's, irrational like dating standards from women because like you said they're wearing they're seeing these white women the kardashians whoever um wearing these natural the braids how they wear it so then when they see us do it it's like oh you're not doing it right this is how it's supposed to look it's just like a whole thing that just really yeah. like makes no sense to me i feel like honestly i'm gonna be real honest i feel like men like i, I want to be cautious when i say this but like they only want, you know, like women, we do stuff first, right? We do stuff first. So it's like, y'all don't even know what y'all like until we do it. You know what I'm saying? Because let's be honest, like, like we've been saying black women really are the blueprint. So when we put something on or when we like style something a certain way, it looks really good, you know, then they're going to like mess with it or whatever. So it's kind of like, I understand when black men say they have a preference and their preference could be like long hair or their preference is like, you know, white women with long hair, but it's just kind of like, where, where does that develop from? And I think that develops from representation in the media. It develops from um, social media, definitely. But I don't know, that really is a triggering topic um, kind of that we had discussed. And I just remember like in the events, their thing was like, you know, well, as long as it's groomed and as long as it looks nice, then um, you know, I'll talk to to that girl or whatever who has her natural hair out, but boy, like that's a whole nother whole nother topic. <laughs> Anything you want to add? Material? I think it's also a color, um, like a hair color thing. Everybody's always rather have like regular neutral colors, but if you mm-hmm. come out with like blue or pink, it's like an issue. <laughs> it's like they think issue. something wrong with you. Yeah, my dad is like, if it's not a natural color, don't get it. Yeah. And then when I popped out with pink hair, he was like, mm, that doesn't look natural. Why did you do that? <laughs> it's not supposed to look natural. That's the point. <laughs> I think that it's just like unrealistic standards because I feel like, yeah, um, a lot, I feel like most of the white girls that was in my high school, they have some type of blonde or um, pink strip, blue strip, some they dyeing their hair green and cutting it mm. off doing all types of shit so I feel like their hair journey 
it's more accepted. Like they have more like freedom to be, to like explore that hair liberation. But I feel like black people, like especially like older generations, they're very big on like respectability politics. So you kind of mm-hmm. feel like, um, yeah, don't get don't get that uh, only get natural colors because you're gonna suffer the consequences if you mm-hmm. want to be taken seriously as a woman or as a black woman as a black person. Yeah. You need to follow these set standards. Just me, like your hair needs to be fine and straight. Your hair needs to be combed. No, like natural styles. No, anything out of the norm because we already are trying to uphold like that image. And I think that goes right back into what we started the conversation off by saying is like, you can't have a discussion about black hair without having a discussion about the black struggle in general. It's like, we are always taught to, or always kind of suggested to do a certain list or a certain set of things just to make life easier for us. Cause we're already facing uh, double standards. We're already facing police brutality. We're already facing racism. We're already facing microaggressions in the workplace. So it's like we have to do all of these things on a daily basis just to get by. So don't try to go, don't try to do that. And then you're going to walk in here with a pink afro on top of that? Like, how dare you? you? you right, exactly. Like, how for dare it. you express yourself? How dare you express yourself? How dare you do something that you want to do in this society that is not built for you? So um yeah that's that's definitely something that that's crazy yeah and it's all it is I feel like it's already like I feel like even as like you said that battle is internal as a black woman you really have to like I feel like choosing to do that is such like that's why I applaud black women for like anything that they do because I feel like choosing to try a new hairstyle choosing to try a new like color you have to internalize that and think like if I do that, I have to know that when I walk in the room, I'm going to get 50 comments. Look at your mm-hmm. hair. I like your hair like that. I have to know that um, I'm going to have to deal with that. Oh, is this why I didn't get a job? Like, that's like a huge step for us. And that's what we said. Like, I don't think people really realize, like, how hard it is to be a yeah. black Every little thing you have to think about and think about those consequences. Because it's like, I'm already black. I'm already a woman. Like, damn, I'm a double minority. Like, I want to pick and choose my battles, but like, I want to be myself. Yeah, I will say one thing about Black women is the resilience that we share amongst each other in our community. It's like, we didn't been through too much to not have a hairstyle that we want to have. You know what I'm saying? So I, no matter how hard it gets or how hard, you know, we may have experienced in our lives, I will never ever want to wish to be anything other than what I am now. And that's a, a Black woman. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like, through my hair, um, through the way I dress, through the way I present myself, or just my personality in general, I can show the diversity that comes along with being a Black woman. Like my hair being in an Afro, or my hair being in two puffs, or some braids, or even if I wanted to have a 30-inch weave tomorrow, that does not associate with what I'm capable of. Like it does not limit me, or it does not mean, okay, I can't get my job done, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. Um, I'm always more empowered by being a black woman than being devastated by being a black woman. I like that. (laughs) So I guess we can just wrap up, but like, is there any advice you have to black women um, of any shade, any hair texture and on yes. helping them navigate that hair, that self-appreciation and pride with our hair, with their hair. Yes, I would definitely say um, 
any experience that you go through in life, try your best to at first make it an individual experience. You know, spend time with yourself and your body um, and your current state of hair and your current mind and then just explore from there other things that you like and other things that make you comfortable. Because I truly and honestly believe that, you know, everything does come from within. So once you take that first step and loving yourself the way you are, you know, you will definitely be able to then share that with those around you and inspire more people to really be themselves. Michaela? I would have to say um, to be patient with yourself because it's a, a process if you're going to start the hair natural hair journey or if you're already going through it. Just be patient and trust yourself. Listen to what your heart and your mind is telling you to do with your hair. If you're feeling in this direction or if you're not, um, with anything that you're going to do. But most, I think, most of style, most of our personality ends up developing through what we feel about our hair. So mm -hmm. be patient with yourself and be patient with the care and be kind to yourself, especially. That's the key thing. If you're not kind to it, then it's not going to be fun. And ask for help. Don't be afraid oh, to yeah. ask for help. Let's yeah, put that in there. Ask, ask other, ask other women it, for help. It's a community thing. Yeah, literally. Like we can, it's literally a village thing. Like ask for help. It's okay to reach out for help. Yeah. I think one thing I will add is like, I, whether your journey is like a natural hair journey or just a hair journey in general, I feel like that's still important. Like don't wear whatever style because you feel like someone is making you or like you have to live up to your expectations like naturally I know some of my friends who just like to wear weave or like wigs sometimes it's easier to maintain for them that's their that doesn't mean they feel any less than because they're not on the whole natural wave I think it's more just about that self that self-exploration and knowing that you're doing it for yourself and I think to go off like what Michaela said like be patient. And I think with me, I wasn't patient. I actually seen a post on, um, I seen a post on Twitter the other day it said that shrinkage isn't the problem, obsession with length is. Mm -hmm. And I and I was like, damn, like, like you know, just fuck white standards. Like, cause I feel like everything <laughs> we do is based off those. So like we said, learn, just figure what you like and do that. Just do that shit. Do you. So I want to thank Elasia for coming on and dropping thank gems you. all podcasts. Thank you guys so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Appreciate it. I'm excited and um follow her page, Curly Connections, right? Curly Connections yes. LLC. Mm -hmm. yeah. Curly Connection Products. Yep. And then all my right. personal page is elasia.p. But I'm sure we'll like put all that in the captions and stuff. Yeah, we're gonna drop everything that all that in the bio. And thank you guys. Bye. Bye.